Welcome back, folks, to episode 89 of the Panoramic Outdoors podcast. And uh, today we're going to be chatting with a Bassmaster Elite Tournament champion, none other than uh, Jeff Gustafson, also uh, known by the nickname Gussie. But before we get to his episode here, I got my man Sheldon on the other line here, tuning in from Brandon. Sheldon, what's happening? Brandon, buddy. <laughs> Why didn't you introduce me as like the walleye master champion of Northern Manitoba this past week? <laughs> Is that what was going down? Well, I don't know. I had enough beers that I probably thought I was a, ma- or not a bass master, but a walleye master. Yeah, I just got back from Thompson, Manitoba. I went up there. I went to um, a camp up there. You probably heard me talk about it on this podcast a few times called the Moose Camp, but we went up there. Um, and did some walleye fishing and yeah, it was fucking amazing, man. It was, I had so much fun. I needed it. It was about six days of fishing, sitting on the deck at night. You know, the bugs weren't too, too bad, but they were bad, bad enough, I guess. But it was, uh, it was good to put on some mosquito spray, sit on the deck and watch the sun go down. And, and, uh, yeah, it was, a uh, it was a trip that, uh, I probably will never forget because I got to bring in one of my good buddies from Northern, even farther North than Thompson out of Churchill. His name is Parker. I got to br- bring him in. So we got to, uh, I got to show him some stuff that I've been talking about a lot. And yeah, it was just super fun to sit back and listen to the stories. It's, it's funny because you get some of those guys that like, you, you know, you haven't seen for a little while, but you've heard all the stories. And I think we've talked about this a million times, but you start sitting down, having some drinks by the campfire, doing whatever. And you start listening to these old stories and you start reminiscing. And I mean, those are the best times in my book. Those are the very best times. Nice. That's awesome. Uh, six days is a is a long time to be in camp. I mean, when, when you think about a, a normal fishing trip, most folks are going, you know, a weekend and, yeah. uh, they're doing a lot of fishing. Right. So it's nice, uh, in my mind, when I'm thinking about like a six day, it's almost nice to have that extra time just to like sit back, relax for, uh, for evening or two or a morning or whatever it may be. And just not have the pressure to be like, I need to jam in as much fishing as I can right now. Yeah, and that that was the good thing about it, like just like you said, because those six days, maybe like two of them, we waited out the weather, not all day by any means, but waited out the weather for two or three hours, and we had no, we didn't have any like cares in the world or like whatever. And it was funny because <laughs> the one day we, you know, it was raining, and like we woke up, it was raining. We made breakfast, had some coffee, blah blah blah, and everyone's like putting on their rain gear and i just had enough service i got to check the the weather and i was like oh, i think it's going to clear off here at 11 o'clock everyone puts on their rain gear and we're all standing there like well we're going to go we're going to go and i'm like just wait wait for one more hour it's going to clear off so then <laughs> uh it clears off and we all like walk down to the boats jump in the boats and uh, we're sitting there fishing and i was kind of we're all it's kind of quiet and i said to everyone i'm like isn't it funny it started raining so we put on all our rain gear and stood in camp and waited for it to clear off and then took off the, you know, you know what I mean? Like took off the rain gear and then went fishing. Like it was kind of just one of those funny moments, but yeah, that was a dumb story. Sheldon, have another beer. <laughs> oh, that's, that is funny. Uh, that is how it works sometimes too. Um, I'm curious about the, you know, down South here, the, the water levels are like at extreme lows. Some, some places what's, uh, what's the water level like up in Thompson? I know they got quite a bit more snow than us, uh, down here this year. So what are you seeing up there? Yeah, there, there's snow level from this winter. I, from what I've heard, like at the airports and stuff, was a, I don't know, it was a way above average, I believe. I don't think it was like a, any record-breaking levels of snow, but it was way above average, I believe. Um, but yeah, water levels are super high. And when I was there, 
um, where we go, it's on the Grass River system. And down river, we heard the week before that it went up five inches. So we were kind of expecting it to go up a bit. And in our time in camp, I, it probably went up an inch or two. I know there's a guy from All Train Bear Hunts that was flying around. He said it went up quite a bit. So, um, yeah, talking to some of the locals while I was up there, that apparently the water is super high. And from what I could tell, it is. I, I don't get up there, you know, weekly by any means. But let's say if I compared it to last year, yeah, it's high in June, I would say. Um, another thing, too, though. Six days in camp, 24 tubs of minnows, and we didn't have a minnow left on the last night. So we were using rubbers and everything else. So that's how good the fishing was. It was wicked. Nate's Baits hooked us up with uh, with a box of minnows. <clears throat> and uh, if you've seen his posts on Instagram, you should follow that guy. He's pretty funny. Um, he got a couple sweaters and stuff. So we did a little bit of a, a horse trade, and we got some some sweet minnows. And Matt, he is very impressive, the, the, the minnows that he gave us. So it was really good. Yeah, he he does really great work on the uh, on the bait front. Uh, definitely, definitely check well, him it, out if you can. Isn't it kind of like sometimes? This is what I think, but sometimes I get mad when you buy like, let's just say a six dollar tub of minnows or more, and they're all like jumbo, but they're not supposed to be jumbo. And then you get like sixteen minnows in a tub mm-hmm. when they're like supposed to be like regular or whatever, where they're like supposed to be like fifty. Let's just say, right? Yeah, that's what that's what makes me mad. But every tub we had was like perfect. So. Um, double thumbs up to, uh, Nate's baits. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, question regarding the water levels up there. Do you guys ever have trouble finding fish if the water's too high or too low, or is it, is it pretty steady for you guys there? Well, the spots that we go to, it's, oh man, I don't know how to answer that question properly. That'd be a question for, for Quentin, for sure, who, who runs the camp. And, um, but I know like in other years, we normally fish holes anyways, or we call them holes. We're fishing like 16, 18 feet, and it's kind of like in a river, right? So it's kind of where, in my opinion, or what's happening. I'm not no pro, so don't fucking quote me on this, but like the water's coming in quick, and then they're in a hole where it might be a little bit slower, and that's how we that's how we fish it. The other thing about the area that we're fishing is we've got like four or five spots that we frequent every day, and like if they're there, they're there, we fish it happy days and we're not actually like say let's say hunting the big fish or doing anything and we say to, to each other every year before every time we go into camps like well this year let's you know let's try different things let's do this do that but when the fishing's good and you're using a jig and a minnow using a jig and minnow is awesome the one thing that i did do though this year we were in this one hole and um i was kind of trying some different different things and what i did is i actually like basically made a spinner on a weight so i took like a spinner cut it off probably like i don't know there might be a name for this and this might actually be a hook but i just like made it myself took a spinner cut it off about like eight inches and then took a swivel tied a weight to it and then had it so basically the weight went down and hit the bottom and then the spinner was like in the current you know maybe Mm -hmm. like i don't know four inches up higher and i just hammered the fish like i was i hate to brag but i'm gonna have to brag but i was probably doing three to one to everyone else um, on that that spinning combo type system, so like basically whatever you use for bottom bouncers and spinners, that's what I was using. But I just kind of rigged it up with a weight, so it worked really well. Mm-hmm. I've seen you. I've seen you uh, be successful on that that spinner rig multiple times before. So I, I think that's maybe a little <laughs> secret we got we got to toss on the old Instagram there, and and maybe yeah. uh, lay claim to this this new uh invention you got if it's new i'm not too sure i've never seen one before like it so (laughs) yeah it worked well and i was yeah i was very impressed so that was great 
I'm curious. Obviously, you guys didn't need to in uh, in your camp there. You guys cruised through what was 24 tubs of minnows. But uh, um, in the past, I've gone to some fish camps uh, where, you know, guys get a, a large supply of minnows in like one go. And uh, their their minnow stock is not necessarily as abundant throughout the, the their fishing season. And what they do is they like they take the minnows, they thaw the minnows out and they like salt cure all of them or salt dry them. Have you ever done anything yeah. like that? Have you ever seen that done? No, I've never done it. I've heard a little bit about it. And that was the one thing Nate said to me when I was picking them up because we got fresh frozen. So, um, and he was just like, oh, well, why do you want that many tubs of fresh frozen? Like, wouldn't you want them salted? And I'm like, well, no, like we'll use them in the next week. And he's like, well, will they thaw right away? But we've got like some pretty, pretty wicked coolers. And, and I like it. I don't know. Like by by day six, it depends on the weather too. But by day six, like the last few tubs, yeah, they aren't frozen, frozen, but they're still lasting. So mm-hmm. you cannot, you know, what I mean, if it was like a, you know, middle of August, then yeah, I'd probably probably grab some salteds. Yeah, they'll last a little bit longer. Yeah, I'm even uh, alluding to going beyond that, and I've seen guys like they they take them out of the tub, they'll pat them all dry, and then they'll use like a coarse table salt on them. And let them sit like that uh, overnight, I believe, and it turns them into like a, a jerky minnow, pretty much. And oh, yeah. uh, you can either use them like that; they're obviously not as flashy, um, or you can like soak them back in oil, and uh, they'll plump up again. But apparently, uh, it just makes them last longer, uh, storage-wise. And it, it's if you use them dried out like that, they apparently also last longer on your hook. Now that's right. depending if they're biting or not, too, right? Okay, here's the question. We actually t- debated about this in the boat. Um, do fish see the minnow, or do they smell the minnow? And so when it comes, so this is why I'm bringing this up is because you talked about you know salting them, blah blah blah. But like a fresh frozen minnow, once they're thawed, would you not think their scent would be better than a salt minnow? Good question, man. I have no idea how that works. I, I don't know how how fish uh, their their sense of smell is, but I know. I do know generally when we're catfishing, like fresh cut bait is the bait that's generally going to catch the most fish in the boat. So right. um, you might be onto something there for sure. Well, the, the thing is, like, I'm, like I said, I'm not an angler by any means. And maybe this is a question we could ask, get someone on and ask. Um, but like when you watch videos of certain fish, they'll come up and they'll be looking at it or whatever and it, i don't know maybe i'm wrong but catfish don't they like touch it with their whiskers and stuff baits sometimes or not no? i have yeah i don't know how exactly how that works yeah who knows shove that up my hoop but <laughs> i don't know there's like certain ways like i don't know that's just what i've been trying to learn i guess in a little one way or the other the other cool thing i'm going to talk about the trip before we get off the topic um so in the last episode, or maybe it was a couple of episodes ago, I was saying that um, Corey from All Train Bear Hunts flew in a bunch of stuff for us. One thing that he did fly in, and I know you're going to talk about something about it as well, but what he did fly in was the Piperell Junior for me. So nice. what we did there, um, it was really cool because I don't know what they weigh. I can't remember. He weighed it and told me what it was, but I can't remember. Super lightweight. He put everything inside of it. Um, plus some extra, like whatever gear he had, he actually put it right inside the pit barrel. I mean, the thing's small, it's 24 inches diameter and, um, yeah, strapped it up in the plane. He brought it into camp one night. We cooked, um, a bunch of ribs on it right on the, right on the rocks in Northern Manitoba, like on the Canadian shield. It was freaking cool, man. And the unfortunate thing about it was that 
I never got one picture of it. And so everyone's going to be like, oh, yeah, you're bullshitting. But like, honest, I never got one picture of it. So I'm kind of disappointed of it. I was just like in the zone of cooking, cleaning fish, getting stuff ready for camp, getting supper ready. I just didn't have time to uh, to do the photography, but super happy with Pit Barrel. Yeah, man, man, we took our uh, the Pit Barrel original out to uh, Nudimic with us this past weekend, and uh, we we cooked up a mess of food out there with it. There was a we had a bit of a crew with us, and uh, we had a chicken on there. Uh, Big ass beef roast, sirloin roast, and then uh, Tristan also did some garlic bread on there, like homemade kind of garlic bread. His own mixed up chive butter, chive and garlic butter. It was pretty freaking deadly, let me tell you. And then I doubled down when I got home, did some chicken thighs on there with some jalapenos, and uh, man, pretty hard to beat that pit barrel, tell you that much. That's it. That's the thing. Like, if anybody that's listening to this podcast and you want to upgrade your barbecue game or want to get into the barbecue game, Pit Barrel Cooker is the way to do it. The thing is about Pit Barrel is that it's very inexpensive, not only to buy, but in, to use. Like, it, what we've done, you know, we use, you know, a bag of charcoal every couple months. I don't know what it goes for, like 20 to 30 bucks, probably the equivalent to buying propane. And then if you want to talk about like wood chips and stuff like that, that you have to get for, you know, um, like auger, what are they called? Like auger filled? Pellet grills, pellet grills. There we go. Shit like that. Like it, that stuff gets very expensive. So when we talk about these pepper barbecues, we're not kidding. They're super great, super easy to use. They're the best barrel type smoking system you can buy in the market. And if you want to get into one, go to pitbarrelcooker.com. In the United States, they have free shipping, and in Canada, they they have like a map where you can find out way, where you can buy one. Um, that's pit barrel cooker. Not only that, like they. We, we do everything. And just like Chase said, he does like jalapenos. Tristan does bread. This isn't something that you just barbecue. This is something that you can like enhance your eating game. You can make so many cool things. And for me, I'm not a – like I don't like spicy food. But when Chase does a smoked jalapeno, I had a smoked jalapeno. I think it was – what was it? Pineapple one day mm-hmm. in a yogurt that mm-hmm. you made? Unbelievable. It's just it's, – it'll bring it to the next level. So check it out. Go to – at least check it out. Go to pitbarrelcooker.com. Yeah, definitely. And uh, what else is going on? We went for a little catfishing trip not so long ago. That was fun, man. I had a blast on that trip. It was a one-nighter, kind of like after work, let's meet up. Um, it was kind of the, 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 old... the, the maiden voyage uh, for our summer trip with the uh, with the Citizen Canvas bell tent. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we got that thing out there. The th- we were... Um... On the Assiniboine, let's just say south of Austin somewhere, undisclosed because we got a hot fishing spot now. And it was funny because <laughs> we go, I, I was kind of there early, of course, because Chase is always about, you know, I'm going to be 10 minutes late and shows up at 45. Anyways, <laughs> we, uh, I went and found this spot. It seemed like pretty decent um, public land. So we went out, set up the tent. 15 minutes, 20 minutes probably, hey, Chase, mm-hmm. took us to set up that tent. Had that set up, our cot set up inside the wood stove, ready to rock. Not thinking that we would need it, but just it would be nice. Um, and then we were only probably about 200 yards to the river. Funny thing about that is, though, that it was straight downhill, so it was quite the little trek to get up and down that embankment. Uh, but we caught a few catfish. Yeah, it was a, it was a fun little trip. Um, brand new fishing spot to us. Excuse me. I'm, I'm glad... I didn't have to walk up that hill one more time because I don't think I would have made it. And it was, it was, uh, quite the slope, but, uh, the tent man was, was, uh, 
just awesome. We like you said, it wasn't long to set up, and then uh, you know, I I don't want to take anything away from our our manliness on this episode, <laughs> and uh, say late. say that we didn't enjoy uh, a little fire inside the inside the camp there, inside the tent, you know, and it was it was kind of nice. Yeah, it was it was wicked. The thing, the couple things I'm going to say about that trip is that not only did we get to go fishing, we got to actually sit back and kind of just relax and there's no service. So we got to kind of just relax and have a good chat. It seems like a lot of times Chase and I and Tristan, we just, the only time we actually get to talk is when we do the podcast. So it was good to like kind of sit down. We actually cooked, I cooked you up a crispy chicken sandwich that I use catch and cook with. Mm-hmm. Man, that stuff is unbelievable. If you guys want to check that out, go to catch and cook free ad for them. No big deal. Um, so we had supper. And it was kind of getting late at night. We were having a few beers, tipping a few back. And uh, Chase is like, well, let's go inside and have a beer in the tent. And I was like, yeah, sure. So we went in the tent. I <laughs> I lit the fire. Like, So we have this little G stove. I get a fire going. And it's it's bucking. Like, you can hear it just, just sucking. Like, it's getting hot. Not hot in there. It's getting nice and warm, which we didn't need. And I looked over, and Chase was out cold. And I'm just like, you know what? You have two kids, and you got a, you know, you got a busy life. I didn't care. So I sat there and kind of just watched the fire for 15, 20 minutes. And I went to bed and no problem sleeping with a nice little hot fire in the tent. That's for sure. I, I'll tell you this. There there are very few things that, that put me to sleep. And uh, a warm wood stove is one of the things that will just like sleep in right away. Check you later. Yeah. No kidding. You know how yeah. like some people it's like driving in a car or something like that. Like I, I have a very tough time sleeping kind of in, in places like that but you fire up that wood stove Whew. yeah good night what, Jim Kite. what was the temperature that day probably like 23 24 degrees like it was pretty hot yeah like before like before the sun went down yeah and the, the thing that i did do is i packed my wool of um long johns or what what are they called long underwear flannels mm-hmm. lots of people have different names for them but I packed those, so I actually slipped those on when we got back up from the river because it was cooling off, but I was just thinking just for mosquitoes because we didn't bring mosquito spray. Mm-mm. So we're kind of freaking hoop there, so I slipped those on, and then, um, yeah, and then I had shorts on over top of them. But, man, that was a lifesaver having those, and then even, like, going to bed and stuff, like, I wore them to bed, and I was super warm, but not, like, not like overheating warm. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Very, very impressed with all of. I'm uh I'm gonna sound a little bit gross here because I I do like wearing their their stuff quite a bit and I like especially when I'm camping I'll wear it to to bed for sure because it it does give you that that it works in both ways where it, where it keeps you warm if you need to be warm but if you know you're sweating or whatever it also keeps it cool because like however it works I don't know we'll love magic it's awesome um, I've been wearing their their t-shirt that they came out with and the thing is dynamite like one of the most comfy t-shirts I, I i now own and it's just it's a real quality piece and i've been wearing it out in the sun in the summer and it's 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 wicked so it, it's definitely something worth checking out if you guys are interested in getting yourself a real quality merino wool setup um these guys are out of toronto so canada go to www w.wool.love use the promo code panoramic10 get yourself 10% off there at the store and um, you know you can also bundle and save so they they have all kinds of bundles there they have socks like I said they have t-shirts now they have golf shirts they have all kinds of lady stuff not only do they have like the long underwear so like the 
the long johns and the the uppers and uh, they also have like boxer briefs too so keep yourself smelling good because it's got that antimicrobial properties in there where you're not stinking bingo bango bongo last thing i'm going to talk about this trip that was loud too last thing i'm going to talk about this uh, little one night trip so if you if you if you're an avid listen listener to our podcast you would have heard me say last episode maybe that chase sent me a pin on iHunter to go to this camp spot. Well, I was driving towards the camp spot and I opened up my iHunter, pulled over, right? Because you got to be safe. Pulled over, put my beer down. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> pulled over, um, looked at the iHunter app, and I was like, man, this spot is like freaking 30 miles away. I'm not driving all that way. So I phone Chase and I'm like, hey, dude, I'm like, do you know this spot is like 30 miles away from like where I'm at right now? And he's like, yeah, he's like, it's pretty much pretty far, John, blah, blah, blah. I was like, okay, well, I'm going to. Just take a jaunt, you know, through the countryside here and see if I can find some some other areas. And fortunate enough for me, I had the landowner's map, so I knew uh, and some public public land stuff, so I kind of knew where I was going. And I found this spot through the iHunter app, and it was like, like I said, it's not something that you use while you drive, but it gives you a very good idea on a where the river is. Instead of like pulling up Google Maps, you can see Google Maps. You can see the, you know, let's say the the section roads or whatever you want to mile by mile roads in Manitoba or wherever you're at, you can see all that stuff on Google maps. But the thing is with iHunter and they have landowner public lands, etc. you can find out where exactly you're at and you can like pinpoint where you're at. And that's how I found my spot. Um, Chase, did you have, I didn't send you the, the, like the pinpoint or whatever it's called, right? Did I? Uh, no, I don't think I did. no, no. You, you showed me when we, when we linked up after, because uh, we met on the road there and uh, you just kind of showed me and I said, all right, let's go check it out. And I'll be honest with you, if if you hadn't actually showed me a spot on the map there, I don't know if I would have believed it because we went down this winding trail. It was it was, uh, it was was wild, this road that we went on. I, I, I had no idea what direction we were traveling by the end of it. And um, like, thank goodness we had the landowner maps because who knows like there's no way we would have known that we were on public land once we got there either yeah so, there's no signage or nothing yeah that was a huge saving grace for us and uh and you could also see you know all right there you couldn't see the river from the road access either right. but from the iHunter app you could see that all right if we pull in here looks like there's a good opening to set up camp got in there looks big enough to set up camp the river should be right here and uh, yeah, now we, now needless to say, we got a new fishing spot, a new camping spot. Yeah, and that was the the funny thing too is that when I was showing you on or telling you where it's at, I said by the looks of on iHunter, it looks like the river should be right there, but the bush was so thick. And not only that, we found actually an old trail that somebody cut at one time. Mm-hmm. So we actually got super, in my mind, super lucky. Us, I don't think we'd be able to bushwhack that two hundred yards because it was thick, man. Yeah, I think I think the the last like fifty yards of those like river willows or whatever they are, somebody right. somebody spent some time down there and uh, cleared a little trail, which was which was dynamite. So, also might be a potential hog hunting spot because there's some hog sign there. So, you know, might not, not be a bad spot to sit in the river, toss a line in with the the old thirty knot six or whatever you want to pack down there, and and. Uh, I don't know. Maybe get some fresh pork chops for the barbecue too. 
Anyways, folks, if you guys are interested in uh, getting iHunter, and I'm going to be honest with you, if you don't have it yet, you're missing out big time. Go to, uh, they have a few different levels of uh, of the app that you can get. They got like the the free version, which comes with just like a basic satellite imagery package. Uh, they have the Crown Lands version or the public lands version. And uh, if you type in, if you go to web.ihunterapp.com and type in the promo code Panoramic30, that's going to get you 30% off that. And they have the brand new for Manitoba, the landowner map subscription. So you can get pretty much any landowner map in the province right now. Have that in your pocket wherever you go. You can drop waypoints. You can talk to your buddies, send your buddies waypoints. And one thing I kind of find it really useful too is is like when I'm going into new spots, I can drop a waypoint somewhere and send it to you or Tristan or whoever and just say, hey, this is where I'm going. If you don't hear back from me by sundown, at least you know where I'm at kind of thing. Nowhere to send the search party. So not not only is it a useful hunting tool, it's a good uh, safety net as well there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so this is episode 89. I'm going to have to like let the cat out of the bag here, Chase. We've got episode 100 that should be airing in October. And I'm going to tell everyone right now that you have to come and listen to that episode. The thing about our program and what we're doing with the podcast world is it's all because of our listeners. So if you ever have a chance to go to whatever platform you listen to, iTunes, whatever it is, go and give us a rating, comment, do whatever you got to do because the reason why we've got a wicked fucking guest for episode 100 is because of our listeners. Um, you put us on the map. We're on the map. We might be really, really in like the around a corner into a bend, like behind everyone else on this map, but we're on the map, I think. And episode 100, I'm going to guarantee you, is going to blow your mind. We've got a wicked lineup and uh, stay tuned for that. But just thank you to everyone that's been listening. Love it, man. Anyways, let's get rolling into episode 89 here with uh, Gussie, Jeff Gustafson, hailing out of Kenora, Ontario, Bassmaster Elite Tournament Champion. Let's roll. All right, well, today we're welcoming welcoming, uh, to the podcast Jeff Gustafson. Jeff, how's it going, man? Good, boys. Thanks for having me. Right on. Thanks for thanks for joining joining us. I uh, I took a little peek at your your tour schedule there for I, I believe it was last season or maybe the season before, and you look like a pretty busy fella. So uh, <laughs> thanks for squeezing us in here. Yeah. No. No problem. Um, I, I I am busy, uh, but it's all good. No complaints there. Uh, beats. I guess it beats the alternative. And um, you know, yeah, I've been pretty lucky. Like most of my my job and and my my fishing career is happening down in the u.s so i've been able to get get over there and and keep doing it over the past you know year and a half that we've been going through everything that we have and uh i've been so i've been lucky i've been able to kind of it's been a little different but like for the most part just sort of business as usual and uh yeah you know i'm I'm grateful for it right on right on well before we get into the the depth of uh of things here we want to do our five burning questions here quick just to um okay. maybe see a little bit behind the scenes of uh of jeff here and uh yeah so 
question number one we're going to hit you with you got one last meal what's going to be on the plate what are you going to wash it down with oh lake of the woods walleye for sure um i'm gonna uh flour egg uh cornflake crumbs cook them in butter and uh that's as good as it gets for me fresh walleye like that uh wash it down um so tin cup whiskey has been supporting fishing they're not a sponsor of mine or anything but they've been supporting uh bass fishing quite heavily in the past year so um uh yeah a little tin cup whiskey maybe a splash of seven up and some ice and uh yeah that'd be that'd be my sip after after the walleye I bet you didn't have any of those in February after your big win in the the Bassmaster there. Eh? I haven't had a walleye <laughs> since uh, since before I went to I actually went down to Florida like January 25th. I haven't had a walleye since then. And I mean, we, my wife and I eat it a lot, and uh, I won't freeze it. Like I won't eat a fro. I get I could tell if a walleye's been frozen like before I even touch it to my lips. So I won't eat a frozen one and. Uh, yeah, it's it's been it's been tough, but well, after we get done with this last trip, um, then I'm you know it's, it's going to be all about getting some walleyes for dinner. I was actually talking about the tin cup. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Now we get. I mean, like during the the weeks of the events, I mean, it's so consuming. We don't we don't really. It's early early to bed. Like there's such long days, and we get up. You're, we're practicing from dark to dark, and you know, getting up at. 3 30 or 4 in the morning usually on tournament days so um no but we we you know we get some saturday nights if we've all had you know we, i stay with four or five other guys usually and if we have you know a couple of us have a good tournament we'll usually have a little celebratory after the after everything's done nice nice um, i'll second the tin cup vote though i i've tapped into that myself and it's uh it's a fine beverage we'll just say yeah, it's good stuff. It's that it's you know, it's very comparable to like if you like Crown or Wiser's, you know, it's a it's yeah, it's not like uh it's not low grade stuff or anything. It's good. All right, moving on to question number two, where we're gonna All right. get into uh some more fishing stuff. What's your favorite fish to uh, to chase right now? Oh, uh, for sure it's bass and and, and smallmouth. Um but yeah, I'm I'm a bass guy, but but you know, part of what served me well as far as like making a career in the fishing industry, guiding and outdoor writing and media stuff, and just my, you know, overall fishing knowledge is just the. I do a lot of multi-species fishing, ice fishing, and uh, you know, I'm gonna I'm out there all the time doing something. So, uh, but bass are number one. I do a lot of walleye fishing. I mean, I li- I live right at Lake of the Woods here, so mm-hmm. we've got access to you know, top-notch fishing and, uh, you know, yeah, mix in some crappies and muskies, lake trout, uh, quite a bit of ice fishing, like I said. So yeah, stay busy. Yeah. You're definitely in the, you're definitely in the right location for the, for the multi-species stuff. Um, what, what's your draw to bass? I'm always curious because like, it's always like you watch TV and like most of the stuff you see on there is bass, 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 bass. Yeah. Um, Bass fishing definitely drives the industry as far as like tackle sales and equipment sales. Um, a lot, a lot because of the tournament aspect of it. Um, I mean, for me, I I think one of the draws for people is that they're one of the species that you can catch for the most part, catch them just as good on artificial baits as you can on live bait. And Mm -hmm. I think 
you can with you know with walleyes now we're we're seeing that but uh but i think that was maybe part of it they i mean they fight they're uh they're they're plentiful i mean they're sort of widely available um from mm-hmm. a tournament aspect they are they're tough i mean they're you know unless it's really hot out that's the wor- that's the toughest time they're gonna have is when it's really hot out um they're pretty easy to keep it alive well and um and you know do the do the tournament thing with so yeah perfect. Uh, but, yeah right on okay uh moving on to question number three if you're heading out for uh maybe your dream uh saltwater fish what are you going to chase after Ooh, i've been saltwater fishing quite a few times and uh i've 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 had some really good in-source trips redfish snook um but I've never got to do like the big tarpon thing. That's bucket list probably. Mm-hmm. That would be that would be it for me. Tarpon or um, uh, salmon, you know, West Coast when it's like good. I actually got to go film a TV show out on um, on Vancouver Island five or six years ago. But it was in May. It wasn't like it wasn't a good time to be out there fishing. Mm-hmm. We caught a few little ones, but it wasn't like it wasn't uh, prime time. Yeah, it wasn't like so. Um... Tristan and myself have a buddy that that live out on uh in Nanaimo there and we've we've gotten to dabble with him a little bit out there and it's it's a lot of fun yeah it's yeah it's deadly out there and like so pretty and great part of the world no kidding so I I think like you're you're better known for your for the for the through the fishing industry but um what some people might not know is that you're also a big hunter or enjoy hunting too um what would be a dream hunt for you to go on uh, <laughs> I do. I love, I like, I love being outside and probably have more fun with my trail cameras and stuff than I actually do, um, pulling the trigger. Um, grouse hunting is probably my, like what I like to do the most just cause it's kind of active and, um, but I mean, I do it all. I love moose hunting, deer hunting. I do the guiding thing for wolves. Um, but for me, uh, my, if I could go one place and I would probably go like as far North as I could. And, uh, I'd love to have like 2000 caribou in front of me and just sort of take it all in. And, um, that, you know, it's not, that's not the most challenging trip or hunt, but, uh, I would, I would, I know I would just love the landscape and love to see that, that site. Nice. Nice. Good answer. And then uh, the last of the five burning questions we got for you right now. I'm not sure if you're a big uh, music buff or not, but one last concert from anyone that's dead or alive. Who would you go see? Uh, Pearl Jam, favorite band. I got to see them live once, and uh, yeah, they're 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 awesome. So I I, I kind of liked them, and then after I saw them live, I just was like, I'm a super fan now. So yeah, yeah, Pearl Jam, uh, Tom Petty you know he's gone now but he'd probably be number two for a live live show for me nice nice pearl jam has like some super super fans too like just yeah wild yeah yeah no and i never i never knew any of that and then uh yeah i saw them in minneapolis and it was it was like life changer and then you know they have their own channel on sirius and they they play the concerts every day and when they do a concert, they just put on a really good show. I mean, they're sharp guys. Eddie Vedder, the lead singer, mm-hmm. is uh, uh, he, he's very knowledgeable about wherever he's playing, you know, and he'll he'll have something relevant to say, you know, during each show. It's just kind of yeah, he does a good job, real good performer. Nice, nice. Well, that's that's it for the five burners. Um, good job. Um, let's let's <laughs> dive into a little uh, 
young Jeff here. Um, you know, I, it's it's evident that that as a as a young fella, it, it you grew up in Kenora, is that yeah. correct? Yeah, grew it, up it, in Kenora, and my grandparents actually had one of the first picks of property um, on the west arm of the lake, and actually in Echo Bay. So, um, as a, that was our family place growing up. So, like, I'd spend, you know, as much of the open water season as I could out there. And I had a little 14 foot lund I could use and I could, I, I was, I mean, I was fishing at a really young age and was, that's what I wanted to do. And, and, you know, just having access to the lake and being able to go and, and, you know, my grandpa and my dad took me um, and, and, and gave me the means to like be, whether it was off, off fishing off the dock for six hours or whatever it was but i was able to you know go and do it and for sure that was the you know that was the big advantage for me as far as um just pursuing it and 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 you know just being experienced with it oh that's amazing just definitely some solid roots there and uh it sounds like uh a, a childhood that that a guy could get real real envious of <laughs> good spot yeah. i feel like back in that day you know when, when i think of like us and uh we had a cabin in the white shell and it's things are totally different now out that way too so i, I couldn't imagine what the lake of the woods would be like back then and like kenora is a great place to grow up for me but it, i mean it's a small town so you know for a lot of kids they are disadvantaged there a little bit on on some of the services and and activities they might want to get into so but for me like i just caught i just had the bug for um being in the outdoors and fishing and hunting and and uh and that was just what i i gravitated towards my dad was was a really good hockey player i mean he got drafted by the st louis blues played semi-pro for quite a few years and uh um, my sister played division one uh women's hockey um, went to school and and was really good and um, you know, I, I played hockey through high school, loved it, but I just never, you know, I was never that good and I never really, you know, it was just kind of something to do during the week and on the weekends I wanted to be on the water. Nice. Nice. I know that feeling. Um, yeah, it, yeah I mean, it's, it's obvious that, that the water was your game too, because, uh, you entered your first bass fishing tournament when you're 10 years old and man, I can't even think about like. <laughs> what I was up to when I was 10, I was definitely in the outdoors doing stuff, but, but I don't think I was thinking about entering any fishing tournaments yeah. whatsoever. Do you, do you remember that tournament at all? Yeah. Like I, I do. Um, I do remember, I just, I don't, re I remember, uh, that I, I, that was all I wanted for Christmas was an entry fee for my dad and I to go in the tournament in the KVI and, uh, and that happened and, and the rest is history. And then like growing up, like through high school and even into university, like that, that, that tournament, like my summer revolved around the KBI and, and some of the other good tournaments that we have Shoal Lake and we have one on Rainy Lake. And, um, you know, that was my, my seat, my summer revolved around those bass tournaments. And that's, I guided a little bit, made some money doing that, but I, you know, I, my best chance to make some money was in those, you know, as I got older and really, that was my focus was to do well in those tournaments and you could uh make some money and and that was kind of the that's where it sort of started for me and 
and then you know that opened up doors to uh some of the sponsors and then that opened up doors to getting some you know writing projects i got a good camera you know in the early 2000s so i was I, i used to sell a lot of photos and make some money selling photos and then kind of as time goes by you you uh you know you just you, you uh, for me i i didn't want to have to get a nine to five job so like i just found ways to stay busy throughout the year and and for the most part that was different guiding activities and, it, and it's you know i started doing the hunting stuff in the spring i do i was doing shed hunting stuff so i just kind of you know found a way to to sort of stay busy doing doing everything do you know making yeah. some money and not having to get a real job yeah almost like a little gig economy but with outdoors uh yeah. influence behind it yeah exactly jeff, jeff were you raising some eyebrows entering the tournament at that young of an age and like obviously you were starting to make some waves enough that pe- sponsors were noticing you what was that like yeah so i mean the sponsor stuff like i started writing letters to rapala and shimano and lund and i mean all these companies when i was a little you know i probably weighed like 75 pounds had glasses and was kind of a geeky looking little kid and um i i was i was uh yeah i was after them and a lot of those my relationships that i still have today were started you know in, in that at that time but um no, I mean, everyone was pretty nice to me. The KBI at that time, I mean, we had the Linders, Bob Azumi. Um, th- there was a lot of, like, quite a few pro anglers were coming and fishing it. So it was a, a pretty high-profile event. And, uh, yeah, I mean, we, we like, the first few years, we fished out of a, an old StarCraft, like a 17-foot StarCraft, um, like a ski boat almost. And we had a cooler for a live while you had to fill it up with a bucket and uh i mean you know very primitive gear compared to like what you know what we have now or even what we had you know five or six years after we kind of got into it but we just loved to fish and wanted to be part of it and that was that was it i mean the boat um the boat doesn't catch fish so i mean yeah you know i'm i'm lucky i i it's my job now and i've got the latest and greatest best equipment but you you certainly don't need to have um you know five big screen electronics on your boat to go out and catch some fish or or have a 250 horse motor to go catch some fish you know it's uh it's all about just getting out there and 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 learning why don't you give us the a little quick tour of the boat there and and let us know what what you're uh what you're rocking on the water these days yeah, so my rig is. Uh, do you want to see like? Do you want video of it or just? Just, just give us a, a yeah, just a quick audio experience here. Yeah, so I'm running a, a Lund uh, twenty seventy five Pro V bass. So it's a it's a twenty foot ten inch kind of a it's an aluminum bass boat. So it's pretty well all deck, um, tons of storage. I've got a a two fifty uh, Mercury four stroke on the back, so um, it goes pretty good. Um, and then, you know, yeah, all the, all the latest and greatest electronics, hummingbirds st- equipment. Uh, I actually just got the new hummingbird mega live, uh, about two weeks ago. And, um, you know, so I've been able to play around with that a little bit. I'm excited for it to, to get to use it in our part of the, you know, up North and, and, uh, around Lake of the woods, it's going to be amazing it's forward facing sonar and, uh, 
yeah, so it's kind of it, that you know it's my life. So I've got uh, I've got an Aquaview underwater camera mounted at the console too. That's kind of a unique unique thing um, that I use a lot. Uh, we're lucky, you know, around here and a lot of the you know fishing around the Great Lakes and stuff. The water's really clear, so Aquaview works awesome. And uh, yeah, use that quite a bit. Um, but, uh, but no, other than that, I mean, it's a fishing machine and Mm -hmm. you can go on my, my Instagram and see, see photos of the boat for anyone that, you know, if you want to get a visual, uh, but, uh, but yeah, that's, it's my office and it's, it's rigged up pretty nice. I was, I was watching, uh, the video of, of, uh, the, uh, the bass tourney there down in Knoxville and, uh, man, that thing looks like a spaceship. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, and I mean, it, it, I've got a, you know, a G Loomis wrap on my boat and truck and it, it, it does, it looks really awesome. And I'm, and I'm grateful for it every day. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it is almost like a spaceship, all the, all the equipment and technology that that's, you know, available now. It's, it's, it's almost crazy. Definitely. Jeff, when you first started fishing the KBI till now, like where where do you see the biggest difference in your game as far as like the technology or the gear is concerned? Like where where are you noticing the difference here? Uh, um, I don't know. I mean, for me, it's all about like I cover way more water than I used to back then. It's all about covering water for me, looking for biting active fish and and you know, from being able to run around the lake, um, navigate around easy, eat, find fish, you know, a, a lot of our tournaments later in the year, find fish when they're deeper with the electronics, um, scoot around with the 36 volt trolling motor. I mean, it's just being able to cover a lot of ground efficiently. That's, that's the biggest change from, you know, from years ago. I mean, when we used to fish humps, when I, you know, back in the, in, you know, pre 2000, um, I mean, there was no driving around and looking for fish before we fished. If you found, if, if, if you just found like the, the rise, like the hump, um, cause we had paper maps. I mean, you had no GPS map or anything. I mean, I learned my way around on Lake the woods with a paper map in my hand and a driving a tiller boat, you know? And, uh, we used to find the hump and you'd throw a marker buoy out and then just start fishing around it. And now, I mean, I don't even put my line in the water usually if i'm in more than 12 15 feet without you know actually seeing fish on my electronics first i just it's it's and and whether that's right or wrong i mean it that's just the it is it is what it is you know yeah that's wild is there is there any limitations to what you guys can can run out there um so equipment wise um there's not a lot of limitations really um 250 horsepower that's that's one you can't have more than a 250. That's what most of these 20, 21 foot bass boats are, are rated for. Um, but I mean, other than that, it's, it's pretty much any of the equipment you can use. No Alabama rigs or like umbrella rigs for everyone that knows what those are. Those are banned. <laughs> um, but I mean, other than that, it's, it's pretty much pretty wide open. Is uh, Alabama rig the, the one where you can get like five, five lures down there? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they work they work good too like um yeah no they they're any any fish that like eats schools of bait it's it's deadly for like i'm sure if you took it out on lake winnipeg and whipped it five big swim baits around all in you know it would you'd smash the walleyes on it guaranteed because <laughs> the walleyes out here like 
if you get a good windy day and they're you know fairly active they you catch all kinds of walleyes on it nice yeah that's wild we won't uh we won't tell lund but have have you ever lost the bottom end on that 250 <laughs> i never have i actually I've... never have that's impressive. That's my uh, main concern cruising around Kenora. I, I don't know the water, obviously, as well as you do, but I've I've always been worried that I'm well, just going to hit something. It's amazing it's how many people come to Lake of the Woods and just with their 23-foot inboard and just put the throttle down and go. And they have no idea where they're going, what they're driving over. And uh, – and lots, most of them, you know, they somehow managed to not hit stuff and plenty of them hit stuff. Uh, but yeah, I mean, any of the lakes out here, Canadian shield, there's going to be rock piles and reefs and, uh, you know, you just kind of respect it. Like Lake of the woods is, is mapped so good, especially now with like the new hummingbird lake master mapping. Um, it, so, I mean, for the most part, everything, unless you're in a little back bay or somewhere really off out of the way, I mean, all the rocks and reefs are marked. And But when you start going on some of the inland back lakes, yeah, you, you just got to be careful. And, like, Shoal Lake is not ma- mapped. And I've, I've spent more time on Shoal Lake probably than I have on Lake of the Woods, you know, actually, like, on serious fishing days. And... uh I've, 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 I've bumped a couple out there. I've had some close calls, but I've never, uh, I've never like totally crushed one before. So knock on wood, it, awesome. <laughs> you know, but you just, you know, you try and sort of be respectful of that. And, and, yeah. uh, I'm, I'm a lot of my like pre-fishing and fun fishing days. I'll, I'll go and, and learn a new, you know, if I say I'm going to Shoal Lake, like I'll go learn a new track every time I go, like just a mile to get from here to there. I got another little thing i can run and when you're doing that like that's the beauty of the side imaging now is i can i can run idle it at a fast clip and and have side imaging on and if there's any reefs or humps or rocks i mean this the rock shows up really good on side imaging like it's very easy to to figure out and uh and then if you see some of it then you go inspect and see what it is it could be a, a you know a one footer that's hittable or it could be just the 15 foot hump that's a really good fishing spot um, but that's kind of how you, you learn your way around on the unnavigated waters or hmm. uncharted waters. No kidding. Do you, uh, do you have any insight into like, what's, what's next in the, uh, technology side of things for fishing? Do, do you get that, uh, privilege to some of your sponsors at all? Um, you, you do a little bit, but man, I, as far as like, what's next, huh? I, I don't know. It's, uh it's crazy just the the way things are going now and and like this just this forward facing sonar thing is just like mind-blowing to me um because i love to fish offshore and fish for suspended fish and a lot it was a lot of guessing and um and now it's it's like oh there they are right there 42 (laughs) feet in front of you um so uh, you know i i for me i i still love uh getting able to being able to like go in a little back lake with a 15 horse motor and, and no electronics and go figure out how to catch some fish. And I get to do that occasionally. Um, but like, if you're going to be a, a, a guide or a tournament angler, make your living um, fishing, you got to take advantage of every tool that you can and, and piece of equipment. So I do, um, you know, but I, I, I don't, you know, I hate the, I hate that, um, 
you know, a, a young angler that's sort of up and coming feels like, oh, I'm not going to fish in that tournament or I'm not going to get into fishing because I can't afford or, I, you know, I don't have the forward facing sonar or I don't have a 250 horse motor. Like I hate that part of it. But I mean, the other side of it, if that's your setting, if that's your, you know, limitations like that are stopping you, then you don't probably love it enough anyways to make a living at it and, and you know, for me, it's just, I've just figured out a way to go, go fishing from the time I was, you know, a little kid. And, and, and I've, you know, there was, there's been plenty of fishing from shore off docks, um, mm -hmm. in old beater leaky boats. I mean, I've done it all. And, um, you know, it just, I just love, you know, you figure out a way to get out there. For sure. Yeah. That, that's funny. Cause that reminds me of, uh, one of our buddies, another fellow we had on the podcast, um, and he said he's a hunting guy, and and his his big line was, you know, uh, the guys that want to be out there that really want to be out there will find a way to get out there, and the guys that really don't will find a, an excuse. Yeah, no, for sure. So, um, so for me, it's yeah, I I get I get home, um, you know, I've been home for a week or so, and I haven't been fishing, um, been quarantining. And so, uh, I'm, I'm dying to get back in the boat and, uh, and get, get back at it, but it's been a good little break. I mean, I've, I've been fishing a lot over the last three or four months and, um, a lot of tough places. Like, like we've had events where if you, I mean, if you caught five bass in a day, you were having a really good day and it's, um, you know, for the most part, most of the places that we go aren't like that, but just had some unusual weather and flooding and, um, just, some tough conditions at some of the tournaments so i'm really i'm i'm really excited for these you know our last couple events are at lake champlain and the st lawrence river in upstate new york so um really good you know similar to fishing at lake of the woods i mean big bodies of water really really good fishing and, and big big smallmouths um and then after those are done get to come back to sunset country for the rest of the summer and and rest of the year really and um be around home so i've got good fishing it can relax and and you know hopefully get out there with some of my friends i gotta you know probably do a few guide trips um but just enjoy the enjoy being in in our beautiful part of the world what would you say your strengths are as a fisherman here i'm I'm hearing like there's there's all these variables coming into play here when you're you're out on the water um what, what do you really lead on jeff when you're out there and maybe you what sets you apart maybe from other anglers or what maybe some other things that you might look to in other anglers to inspire yourself? Well, when I started doing this, I mean, for sure it was fishing offshore, um, fishing with light equipment, spinning reels and, and, uh, and it served me well. And a lot of that, you know, was my walleye background. Um, and then, but now like all these young guys that are kind of coming into it and I mean, they know how to do everything from fish shallow, fish deep, fish finesse, fish power stuff. I mean, so, you know, to fish at a, at a high level competitively, I mean, you kind of got to be versatile. If you just, you know, just like to fish deep or you just like to fish shallow, you're, you know, you're, you're, you're going to you know, you're going to maybe have a few events where your, your strengths can work for you, but you know, over the course of the season, you're going to have some toughies and uh, you know, for, so you just try and be consistent. Um, but yeah, for me, I mean, I'm, I'm, I like to fish offshore. That's what I'm going to try and do, um, you know, whenever I can and use my electronics and, and just, 
fish that way, but it doesn't, you know, it doesn't always pan out, but, uh, but yeah, that's, that's my strength and what I, what I like to do. Early in the, in the podcast, you're kind of mentioning that you're, when you're on the road, you're teamed up with a few guys, I'm, I'm guessing moving from place to place and yeah. you're, you're, it's, it's kind of a grind on the road in some ways of like, you're yeah. probably putting in long days. What What's like the day to day of a professional angler like yourself here on the tournament circuit look like? So, so yeah, so our season, the Bassmaster Elite Series, we got nine events and, uh, we, it, it, you know, we started out in Florida. We've been all over the place, Tennessee, Alabama, Texas. Um, we're, we're finishing in, in, uh, New York. Um, so it's sort of a national, you know, we go all over the place. Uh, we get three days to practice. The, the tournaments are four days at the whole field, hundred anglers in the field. Everyone fishes two days, the top 50 fish day three. If you make the top 50, you're getting 10 grand. So that's the goal. You wouldn't think it would be that tough but it's not that easy. And then uh, if you make the top, then it, the, the final day, the top 10 fish. And then, uh, but we get three days to practice directly before the events. And prior to that, the lakes are off limits for us for a month. So, hmm. um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's a busy week. We, we, so the four or five of us that travel together, we usually will rent a house um, wherever at the lake that we're fishing. And, uh, you know, just works better for it's, it's cheaper, um, able to cook your own meals, have some camaraderie at night with the other guys, compare notes a little bit. Um, it's just, a, it, it's a good way to do it. A lot of guys camp. Um, there's still some guys that do the hotel thing, but for the most part, a lot of the guys camp or, um, or rent houses with, you know, in small groups. Nice. Uh, so yeah, we do that. But yeah, the practice days, you know, generally those are three days, dark to dark. Um, you know, giving her out there and try and figure out, you know, how to, how to catch five big bass come tournament day. The day before we get to town, um, usually try and try and get there a day early to get groceries, just get situated, get rigged up. And, and then once the, once the practice starts, I mean, it's, it's just like, go, go, go kind of right through the tournament. The week goes by pretty quick, but yeah, it's, uh, you know, you see the, the nice truck and boat and equipment, and uh, it looks, you know, if you have a good, you know, if you, if you do well, I mean, you can win a lot of money, but it's, it's the entry fees are 5,000 bucks a tournament too. So it's 45 grand, you know, the, the entry fees are heavy. So if you have like three bad tournaments in a row, I mean, you can dig a hole real quick. And uh, I mean, I've seen some, some good friends that, that just kind of come and go and you get in a little rut and it's hard to get out of it. I've been lucky. Like I've always kind of done good enough to kind of keep doing it where I haven't dug a big hole for myself. But I mean, it's a ruthless sport in that regard. Um, Just like the expense of everything and, um, and, and it's fishing. I mean, I don't care who you are. You're not going to catch them every time you go out there, no matter if you're bass fishing or walleye, you know, whatever you're after. But uh but yeah, it's, it's, I live for it and I love the competition. I made some great friends um, and I've got to go to a lot of cool places. So, but, but yeah, the, 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 the 20 hour plus drives that are pretty much common for me to go everywhere from our part of the world and, and just, you know, months away from home sometimes that part of it's not glamorous, but, uh, but again, I, I, you know, I can't complain um, about what I get to do. Do you ever get any R and R on the road? Maybe catch like a, a football game or maybe a NASCAR 
race or something like yeah. that. Yeah, I mean, like, so, uh, uh, yeah, we do. So we fish a lot in the southeast. So um, Nashville's been a stop, you know, haven't haven't gone for the last two years, but I think we probably went to Nashville like four or five years in a row prior to that, you know, pick a three or four day or it's a really fun city. Um, I, I used to go, like, I was friends with, you know, a few of the Jets players over the years. So when they played, I've, I've been down in Florida quite a bit when they've been down there. So I've caught some games. I actually, um, I got to watch when they were in their 2018 uh, series against Nashville. I went to a game in Nashville, a playoff game. Um, and I sat with Buff's mom and, uh, <laughs> and that was awesome. Uh, the game actually went to double overtime and um Nashville won that one, but the Jets won the series, so it was, that was pretty cool. But we were fishing in Alabama, like two hours south of there, and I got done with the tournament the day before, and um, I, I asked the big guy if he could hook me up with a ticket. I'd never been to a playoff game, and yeah, he got me a ticket, and it was amazing. Yeah, that's awesome. I saw a big buff on your feed there, uh, looked like a few weeks back. Uh, how's he doing there? We were always curious as to how, yeah, how, the, so, how he's holding uh, up. So in January, um, when I went down to Florida, like I always like to go down there a little bit early just to get fishing again, like break a new boat in, um, and just get back into it, you know? And, um, and, and by January, we're all ready to get, get out of here for a little bit. So you're excited to get down there. So I went, I always go, you know, a week or 10 days prior to like our first tournament. So I went down there and I actually picked, he's, he's living, um, down near Minneapolis now and I picked him up on the way he loves fishing and and that's he does a lot of fishing now and um yeah I picked him up on the way and uh he came and fished with me for four or five days and then flew but or he actually just rented a car and drove back that at that time um and uh but yeah we had a good time and um he's good he just he was he was banged up and and just didn't have it have it uh his body was was done with you know the high level that he was it was, you know, a lot. Of, it's it's a it's a project to to be in shape and to you know he played a pretty heavy game. So it, you hate it. We all hated it. He's like he's the he was the best guy ever to watch out there. And like you know the Jets, he was the you know I think he was their best player and most important player. So, um, but uh, but no, he he uh, it, it's just the way you know the Nate the way he is. He's not. Um, it's it's not about like the spotlight for him so you know i wish he would have just kind of came out and told everyone that he you know i'm I'm sorry guys i'm hurt and i can't do it anymore and he just kind of you know did his thing and uh, Mm um but he's he's doing good he's all good well we're glad he's back out on the water and enjoying himself like you said he doesn't really have a social media presence so we're just hoping that he's he's good enough to get out there and have some fun i think and you know uh he earned his retirement so hopefully uh he gets yeah. to enjoy that yeah no for sure awesome i'm, I'm kind of curious and- here jeff uh as, as you know we, we're talking a lot about tournament and and kind of how you uh set up and and with travel and and lifestyle down there but when you're heading to like a, a body of water that you're gonna fish talk talk to us about that process a little bit how do you prepare for that yeah, so um, I I used to do a lot more when I first started. I would I would I mean I would be a maniac about doing research and 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 now I mean with the internet now it's pretty easy to 
unless you're going to a place where they, I mean, most of the lakes that we go to for these big events are, are tournament lakes. I mean, lakes that are popular for having tournaments on. So it's pretty easy to go and see, um, past results, uh, you know, old TV shows, if it's a, you know, events where they've made TV shows, um, and just read old tournament stories. I mean, that's where I get a lot of the info and you just pick up the nature of the lake. Uh, do they fish offshore or deep in this one? Or is it a shallow fishery predominantly? Um, and then the time of year is a big influence. A lot of our events are in the spring. So you, you'll often we're around some stage of the spawn. So that's going to send you, you know, looking into shallower areas a lot of the time. Um, but yeah, time of year, type of lake, type of forage. I mean, just, but, but beyond that, I like getting some general info and then, uh, you know, usually, you just launch the boat and go mm-hmm. start like that looks good over there. Let's start there. And, and then, you know, try some deeper stuff, try some shallow stuff. Um, you know, just keep trying different things until you make some contact and then try and get some kind of pattern or program going from there. And I mean, those practices are short. So I talked to a couple of the other guys, we share notes a little bit and, uh, and help each other out a little bit. And usually, you know, hopefully after two or three days, you can, you've figured something out where you can go back and, and catch some fish once the tournament starts. Yeah, definitely. There's seems like, uh, yeah, man, I feel like I'd be out there as, as much as I could too. Tristan, do you have something there? Yeah. I was just wondering, Jeff, like we've kind of gone through here. You're, you, you've come up when you were young fishing KBI. And then now you're at the point where you just won this big Tennessee open. Um, is yep. there, is was there a moment in that process where you've kind of like it hit you where you're like, ah, I, I kind of made it here. Or like I I'm a professional fisherman now. That's, that's what I do. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I do like every day I'm, I, I'm like, I, I know I'm lucky that I get to do this stuff, but, uh, and then at the same time, I mean, it's, there's like so many hungry young guys coming too where, you know, I just, you got to just try to perform at a high level for as long as you can. And, and, uh, you know, I don't know how long I'll get to do this for or want to do this for, but right now, I, I mean, I'm, I'm probably kind of like in my prime right now and you just hopefully take advantage of it here in the next few years and, and, and also have some fun and, um, you know, so, but yeah, I, 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 I consider myself pretty lucky every day for sure. And, um, but, but for me, I mean, I've just grown up. That's, it's been my life and, and, uh, you know, I've caught some breaks and some good health along the way with, I'm a regular guy. I, it was all part of the process for sure. Um, so you just, you know, go, any, I, I've sort of just gone as far as it, it will, it will take me. Any advice for any young guys or young gals getting into the game, wanting to maybe throw up the double buckets on the stage? Well, and I get, so yeah, probably the question that I get get asked the most. Um, and I think the, the number one thing, I mean, at, at some point, like sponsorships are important. Social media is important. All that stuff's kind of, you know, has an important from the business side of it, if you are going to make your living doing it, but like the number one thing you got to be able to catch fish. And that's whether you want to be a tournament angler, a guide, a YouTuber, whatever you want to do. Um, you know, it, so it just goes back to like fish every chance you get and, and, you know, don't always just go on the nice days. Don't always go to the easy lake where you know, you're going to catch them. I mean, I love to explore new water and, and fish new places. And, uh, 
and that's kind of what makes you better and you learn. Um, but, but yeah, it's a, a lot of, it's like fish, fish, fish. And, and that's how you're going to, you know, get experience and at some point get some credibility. And cause like the reality now, no, you know, you're no, no one's getting a sponsorship just cause they signed up and fished a few tournaments. Like that's kind of was the perception back in the day. But I mean, it's that, that, the sponsorship stuff like within the fishing industry now is, is tough, man. I mean, everybody's budgets are, are tapped and hammered. And so you gotta, you know, do your job for those people to, to keep those relationships going and keep them good. And, uh, you know, so it's a lot of work, you know, all the time just to, to keep up with everybody's expectations. Mm-hmm. Totally. And I, you, you've really diversified yourself, not just as an angler, but like someone in the, in the media scape here too. I notice you're, you're, you're also yeah. like an avid writer, some big names here too in fishermen you've written for yeah. uh, hook, hook magazine, cottager magazine, and you got a weekly in uh, Fort Francis times here. So what's yeah. that writing process like for you? Is it uh, you're, you've tapped into quite a bit here. I, I'm just reading your swim bait article too right now. Cause I, I might, use that this weekend here so um <laughs> yeah no it? so for me like i got i got done univer- university i think in 2005 i went to school on the keep mum happy program didn't really know what i wanted to do <laughs> um and at that time i was you know i was pretty busy guiding like i would i was do pretty good during the summer and about that time the deer hunting was getting really good out here so i started to dabble in that and learn that program a bit um but the writing thing started around then as well. And it was just a, as a means to try. And that's when I got my good camera. It was just a means to try and um, just keep a little flow going during the off times and, and you know, throughout the year. So um, it was it was just little writing projects here and there. And, um, and then, yeah, you just a lot of that, who you know, who you meet. And, uh, and now I've, yeah, I've, I mean, I could probably do a lot more than I do. It's, it's, it's tough with the schedule. And I do this weekly newspaper column for the Kenora and the Fort Francis papers. I mean, I've done that since 2007 and uh, it's every, every week I do it. It's like a homework assignment <laughs> sometimes, <laughs> um, but it's good. I mean, I, 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 I get to share, um, you know, a lot of things that are kind of important to me um, doing that stuff. And, and, uh, get some sponsor strokes out there from time to time. I mean, it's just a good, uh, I think, I think there's, you know, a number of people that enjoy, uh, the columns and I, I, I cover a lot of the tournaments that I compete in and then, you know, just timely outdoor topics. It could be some shed hunting stuff. It could be crappie fishing, ice fishing for lake. I mean, just whatever's sort of timely, um, you know, well, we can cover it. Awesome. And I, as I was scrolling your Instagram too, and I, I have to ask who takes all these awesome photos of you. You have some like sweet action shots here. Is uh, someone following you around throughout all these tournaments here? What's the. So, during our events. Yeah. Bassmaster has like six or eight fo- photographers usually rolling. So a lot of the action in the boat shots are, uh, are from competition days with, with the, with those guys. Um, my wife's actually a pretty good photographer. So she, a lot of the, you know, there's a lot of the photos on there. She takes, I usually credit whoever took the photo. Um, and, and if I didn't, it was probably her and I just forgot, but, uh, <laughs> um, but no, I, yeah, no, she, she takes a lot of them and yeah. 
I'm curious about the the good camera that he got. You, you've you've dropped that a couple times already here, and I'm 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 interested. What was your first well, good camera that you picked up? Um, the first one I got, I've always had uh, Canons, and I, mm, it might have been like a 7D or something. I don't know. I I forget exactly, but it, you know, I had a good lens on it. I think I paid like fifteen hundred bucks for it at the time, but like. 15 years ago, I would, you know, people didn't have the good cameras. So like I, I could take like magazine quality photos pretty easy. And it, and, it, and I, you know, I was selling cover shots and just photos here and there for all kinds of different magazines. And then, um, you know, in the last like eight or 10 years now, like iPhone, like just our cell phones take such good photos and, mm-hmm. and, and good cameras are just more, way more widely available. So like, I don't, I don't hardly make any money with the photos anymore ever, but, uh, but you do, you know, for my social media and that you can make, you know, get some better quality stuff. And, and, uh, most of my sponsors have like some photo requirements. we got to, you know, however many, that you you gotta you know gather for them over the course of the years so yeah i I mean it it goes with me everywhere and and we use it quite a bit yeah definitely um i'm I'm curious to to some of your favorite gear that that you've been rocking we were chatting before we started recording here and you look like you got like a a mini bait shop in your in your garage there which is amazing i i thought you were in a tackle store when we started talking (laughs) (laughs) yeah no that's uh yeah, I've got, I mean, again, it's my life. So I, I, uh, I, I get some stuff from sponsors and then I, but I buy, I mean, I buy a ton of stuff too. And, um, yeah, I've got tackle for just about every situation, every bass fishing situation you could imagine. And I've got, you know, yeah, the tackle in here to, to some ice fishing, that's for sure. But yeah, it's, uh, this, that, this, this garage and shop that I'm in, um, we built this last fall. It was, you know, kind of a long time coming. And now I have a really good place to keep my boat, work on everything. Um, still working on getting all my gear organized. Uh, but, uh, but it's getting there and it's, it makes me pretty happy. I, I love having the, the nice space. We had a little, little garage before that was kind of half falling apart and couldn't get my boat in it. So it's, uh, this was a big upgrade. Ace, you might attest to this, but I feel like if our partners would have known how much gear we had going into the relationship, we just might not have never had that relationship in the first place. (laughs) (laughs) Because you don't don't really think about it until you have to think about where you're going to put all this stuff between the hunting and the fishing and and your tackle. And yeah, it just gets real complicated real quick, I find. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. So... Yeah, I think my wife was pretty happy that I could, you know, get a lot of my things out here and um, <laughs> she doesn't have to look at them. But yeah, uh, but yeah, no, she's been pretty helpful with organizing stuff out here and setting it up. And uh, but yeah, for for me, it was like kind of the dream, dream setup. The, the garage is the shop's bigger than her house, I think. So <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm kinda... lucky. I'm kind of curious here, Jeff, you know, you've, you've been immersed in the, in the fishing industry for quite some time now. And, uh, I mean, along with everything, it's, it's really taken, uh, it's really evolved over the last few years here, uh, with gear and, and, and all that. What's, what's a couple of the, the latest and greatest things that, that you really, um, think was like a game changer? Uh, 
so i mean obviously like all the electronic stuff that's that's been the biggest thing in the last like five years side imaging and down imaging sonar um map the mapping like um the the lake master hummingbird mapping that that we have um it's phenomenal for lake of the woods it doesn't cover a lot of the like smaller waters around here but it's they're getting to be more of them especially in manitoba uh and then, but like when we go down south anywhere, most of the big place lakes and bodies of water that we fish, the mapping's phenomenal. Um, you know, but that's easy. That obviously, like the forward facing sonar now, I got the hummingbird mega live on my boat and starting to play with that. It's pretty sweet. Um, but, you know, other little things though, like uh, the Z Man Elaztec plastics, like greatest thing ever. Durable catch fish um a lot of the shapes are just like top notch um i use a lot of the little swim baits for bass and walleyes like that's all i use when i go walleye fishing pretty much uh mm -hmm. the ned rig baits um but yeah use a ton of that stuff um you know rods i'm lucky i get to use g loomis rods um and they're 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 not for everyone i mean they're high end uh but if you're serious about it and want to use the best stuff i mean they they are the best rods i think and uh they've got the we got these new nrx plus that are you know they're going to be their flagship high-end rod and um i've got a few of them and like they're just beautiful like you don't even want to pick another fishing rod up after you you hold one of those or use one of them oh that's dangerous yeah <laughs> it is i know but yeah i'm, I'm lucky there um you know got uh i've got some really good sponsors and i, I and i said it earlier like re i'm a regular guy and i i uh it's all really important to me and i've i've, I've you know i'm lucky i've got some great great people that are that are helping me out mm -hmm. kind of getting back to the tournament fishing side of things you said there's a hundred folks that get to enter that uh the bass master tournament there how yep. do you how do you get through the door there yeah how so um so yeah on the elite series there's 100 anglers and uh it and this is my third year doing it and uh typically um at the end of the year 10 10 anglers based on like the past couple of years average finishes um we get points where you finish in each event and there's and and you're sort of seated throughout the year and you want to make the top 40 to get into the Bassmaster classic that's like our year-end super bowl event that we just we just had it last week um from last year's season uh it just got pushed forward because of the covid stuff but uh but that's the goal every year to make the classic right now i'm in actually like 42nd i think so i'm a couple spots out for next year um with the two events left but they're both smallmouth tournaments up north i i've got high expectations so i'm not real happy with where i'm at but i'm in a pretty good good spot as far as like i should have you know some control over my my destiny towards the end um but anyway to get back to your question um to get into the elite series you got to qualify through the Bassmaster open so that's a lower level um tournament circuit and they basically 12 12 guys a year get in um they have three different divisions so you got to make the top three in each division and it's like over 200 anglers in each division it's super hard and then if you fish all three divisions there's three tournaments in each one nine tournaments total um, the top three in points from those from the whole 
you know, circuit um, get, get spots. So there's 12 new guys. So this year, nobody got kicked out last year because of COVID. So there's like 20 guys are getting kicked out at the end of this year. I'm, I'm okay. But like, um, you know, a few of my buddies are kind of riding the line there. It's, it's tough. It, you hate that for everybody. Cause it's super hard to get in. It's, I mean, it's really, it's, uh, it's, it's really hard. So I, you know, that's where I just, you know, appreciate that I'm getting to do it is in, and hopefully I'll be able to do it for a long time. Mm-hmm. Take us, take us to that ten, that Tennessee Knoxville tournament there. Like yep. uh, you have to be, obviously you're optimistic going in, but like what, when did it start to heat up and when did things get really exciting there for you? Yeah. So this was kind of a unique situation because that, that, event it was on the tennessee river out of knoxville and uh it was actually really tough fishing this place um so the first couple days of practice i think i caught three keepers in two days and i had nothing good figured out and uh the last day of practice um you know the the place was mostly known as a largemouth fishery but there was some smallmouths in it and uh but they had to be 18 inches to keep so it was just a, an odd regulation for that body of water. And, uh, they, I, I found a little spot, um, a channel right by where I was launching the boat and it had, you know, a bunch of rock that I could see on my side imaging. Um, there was bait everywhere. There was a little bit of current. I mean, it had all the ingredients. It looked really fishy. And the last day of practice, I just, I gave it a try and, uh, I ended up catching a smallmouth, not a keeper and another one, not a keeper. Um, another one, not a keeper. Like I caught quite a few that didn't, they were 16, 17 inches, like pretty nice fish, but not 18 inches. And then I finally got like a 19 incher, like a big one. And I'm like, wow. And then I got another big one and I'm like, okay, well, I'm not hooking any more of these things. I'm coming and fishing here. If I can catch a few, um, like even if I get two or three of them a day, I'll probably survive this tournament. Like that's how tough this place was. And the first day I pulled up there and I caught my limit, in like 45 minutes of, <laughs> of 18 inch plus smallmouths. And I had like a four pound lead after the first day, which is a, a big lead, especially on a tough fishery. And, uh, I was fortunate. I, I was able to catch five of them every day, um, all four days of the event and, and one, um, led from wire to wire and it was kind of the dream dream tournament and uh yeah that made my whole season uh for sure but but i you know i want to finish strong here now and uh you know make sure i'm getting in that classic next year it's that's the that's the that's the big you know event that you don't want to miss it's so fun and you get that's our one sort of week of the year we really get treated like rock stars and and it's uh it's pretty cool to be a part of did you did you go back to the house after the Knoxville tournament or did you maybe go out for a little celebration? You know what? So at you know, to come back to Canada, you gotta get a COVID test. So and have a negative test within 72 hours. So I I'd been gone for about a month. Like we I went to Florida a little early. We had an event in Florida, then a week off, and then the Knoxville tournament. So I stayed down there through that whole time. And uh I got actually my COVID test on Friday night and we Mercer and I, our MC Dave Mercer is also from Canada. He, we went together and got it. He was going home Monday and, uh, I, you know, when I lined it up, I wasn't really expecting to be fishing necessarily on the final day. And I, you know, if I did, I'd have to get home by Monday night. And I, so I had to kind of haul ass cause it was about a 20 hour drive home. And, uh, yeah, I got done with the tournament Sunday and, 
everyone kind of had, you know, we'd been on the road for a few weeks, so everyone was gone. Everyone kind of went home and I, I, I hung out with Mercer in the parking lot for about 15 or 20 minutes, some other people, but him and I were the last two people there. And, uh, and then, yeah, just drove pretty much straight home and made sure I, I made it back uh, while my test was still valid. <laughs> One kind of thing I, I heard you say in, in uh, watching the video there and you're, you're boating all these fish. And uh, it, in my mind, the first thing I'm thinking about when, uh, if I were to put myself in your shoes, tournament fishing is like, let's catch the five biggest fish that we can today. And... Uh, come back tomorrow but but you kind of got your five in the boat there your keepers and then you said all right that's enough for today we got to leave some for tomorrow and yeah. and uh so i guess is that is that similar to like all the fisheries that you travel around at if you get to hot spot then then you grab your five and then it's see you later we'll come back tomorrow uh not usually um that was a unique situation because it, the spot was special and i didn't have i really didn't have any backup plans so like I, after i would leave i would go try and find like similar stuff but i just never was able to duplicate that spot and uh and so those those 18 inch smallmouths like if you got five which i was able to do i mean that was that was like really um, if you could do that every day, like you were going to probably win for sure. And I, you know, but like going into the event, like all the, all the like writing and reports leading up to the event, like no one, everyone was like, yeah, no one, there's no way that anyone will weigh in limits of smallmouths every day. We, they'll probably be a factor. They'll probably be some big smallmouths weighed in, but no one's going to catch them every day. And I just, it was a really a special spot that I found and, uh, so once I got five, it was just kind of, you know, I wouldn't have a lot of room to upgrade one anyways, you know, mm -hmm. like I had some that were kind of skinny, but they were still a, a, a much better average fish than what most of the guys were catching. I've, I've caught an 18 inch smallmouth, and like, I can't say I've caught a lot of them, but they're, they are no slouch to, uh, to get into the boat. I find like that is a, that's a big smallmouth. Am I wrong in yeah. that assertion or is that? Yeah. And, and like, a lot of those ones were they're they're kind of river fish so uh they were fairly skinny like they weren't as heavy as as the fish that we get around here up north kind of you know so um but for the most part they were three pound plus fish and uh you know so they yeah they were they were solid i mean the water was cold the water was still in the 40s so i mean they were fairly they don't fight as they don't go nuts right. as much then as they do like now in this middle of the summer when they you know they're jumping and blowing up and going nuts they they're a little more docile in that cold water so uh, yeah we're not allowed to use nets either so that's you know you got to either boat flip them or grab them and um, that was kind of 50 50 on on a lot of them if i could see you know they were hooked in the top of the mouth i'd, I'd boat flip most of them and some of the bigger ones you know if i would if i caught a few wasn't 100 percent sure if my knot was still good i would i would grab them but yeah what's oh, uh wild. yeah what's the what's the the thought behind no nets yeah so that's just an old school rule that they've had for 50 years and that bassmaster has <laughs> been around and um that'll never i don't you know it'll probably never change so it, it i mean from it, the tv aspect of it i mean it adds a little bit of drama and stuff but like for the most part it's it's you, you, when you're actually out there doing it um you don't it it's fine it is what it is mm -hmm. you don't i i actually lose more fish 
um, in the tournaments around home, like my team tournaments that I fish, when you have a net and you, you it's, I think you baby them a little bit more and maybe, um, I don't know. I, I don't know what it is, but I think I lose more when we're able to net them than when not. So I, you know, I don't know, but yeah, you just get good at grabbing them. You don't think about it. You just reel them in and, and I, a lot of times, like, I don't go and try and, like, perfectly lip them. Mm-hmm. I'll just try and get my – I got big hands. I'll just try and, like, get my hand under them and flop them in the boat. Or if if you're using heavy enough tackle and the fish aren't too big, you can – you know, usually I just – you just reel them in and flip them in the boat. Don't give them any hesitation or any chance to, to get off. Yeah, keep that momentum going right, right into, the, yeah. into the boat. I know a couple guys that are going to be very happy to hear that actually that I, that I fish with they 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 laugh at me sometimes when I pull up the nets. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, like big walleyes are a little different because like they can tear you up with their gill plates and all the fins and but like you know for the most part bass are pretty pretty easy to to grab and the the if you're using a bunch of bait like with a bunch of treble hooks that you can run into some problems there that usually there's one or two guys every year that make it on the camera for burying hooks in their hands or arms or whatever but uh yeah yeah. i I always find it's like a uh a lose-lose situation when you're fishing like a big triple treble hook for a pike or something like that and you got a big pike coming in and the boat just thrashing. It's like, do I net it and get that all tangled in the net? Or do I yeah. do yeah. I try to get this thing up and put my hand next to that treble hook? I don't know. Yeah. I'm pretty so. sure I've seen a couple uh couple of the uh hook removal techniques done on uh on one of the uh Bassmaster tournaments oh, yeah. there. Just on YouTube though, but it was guys fishing the tournament and all hooked yeah. up saying, All right, here we go. <laughs> Yeah, no, it happens, um, you know, for sure, at least a, a couple times a year. So, right on, right on. I'm I'm curious about hunting here. Like, we're not, we're not too far off the season here. And yeah, uh, do you got anything lined up for the fall, Jeff? Or what do you what do you eyeball in anything? Um, well, so uh, like out around Lake of the Woods here, our deer our deer hunting. I mean, prior to 2012, it's been a while now. It was like world class, like really, really good. Um, and then, you know, the last seven or eight years, um, it's, it's been a lot tougher. We had a few bad winters. Wolves got crazy out of control. Um, then just the deer hunting's kind of, you know, it's, it's mediocre more now. If you, you know, if, if you put some time and work hard a little bit, I mean, you can find some good ones out there still, but they're not everywhere like they were, you know, several years ago um but yeah i I love i really enjoy that the grouse hunting's been really good for quite a few years i know they're they sort of will cycle but it's been they've been really good so do that quite a bit um do a moose hunting trip with my buddies every year we usually go in december the last week of the season go a few hours north um and uh that i really enjoy that and then uh january the first couple of weeks in January traditionally is when I uh, do like the wolf wolf hunting trips. And, um, a lot of that it's, you know, um, it's, it's just kind of something that was, that's unique. And there was so many wolves around here. I mean, it was crazy and they've kind of cooled down a little bit now too, but there's still plenty of them around. Um, but, uh, it's not as, cra- you know, as crazy as it was. I'm curious about the, the deer hunting here. Do you, do you target them kind of in that, uh, the the big bush area or is there like some yeah. some kind of sneaky ag land in there that you can slide into to hunt around no we're, we're it's all big bush here 
Um, we are allowed to bait in Ontario. So um, I, I would be, and that's when I was guiding, when I started doing it, I had some guys that had been going to Saskatchewan for years that kind of taught me how to show me how to do that. And um, you know, uh, so that made it a lot, a lot easier like from a guiding standpoint. Cause you, you know, like guys would see a lot of deer during the day. It was fun. And now, I mean, a lot more people are doing it now and there's just not as many, you know, not as many deer. So, um, it's still effective, but I mean, it's not as easy as just going and dropping some alfalfa up over on the hill and, you know, like, like every once in a while that works for people, but it's a lot of work and, and expense to, to do it. So, yeah. um, I enjoy it. Um, just cause it's, you know, I like to go, I'll go sit all day and it, and it makes that a little more fun cause you get a little bit more action and, you know, but, uh, I know, I know you guys have pretty awesome deer hunting, so you can, it's, it's a lot easier to hunt without bait when you have some of the egg stuff and, and, uh, and, and just more deer numbers like that, that you guys do. Mm-hmm, definitely. We, we used to dabble quite a bit in the white chill there too, deer hunting. And, uh, it's funny you talk about a fluctuation because we used to do pretty well out there growing up and then um as we got older we still went out there but man it has dropped off now and they've they've actually opened it up quite a bit they're trying to replenish some moose numbers in the area but uh yeah the deer numbers are, are down in that that shield country but uh the rest of the the ag land in manitoba is is uh certainly like nothing like i've seen it before so yeah kind of a win there yeah and you're guiding for wolves too you're saying here yeah, I have. I've got, I've been doing that for like 10 years. And I, the last couple of years, I mean, with, with obviously there's been no guiding going on the last year and a half, but, uh, yeah, I, it, that's something I just like doing in January. And now I'm at the point where like, I've got a few guys that have come and done it several times that are, you know, are good friends that come back. And then some of my like fishing buddies down South want to come and do it. So it's more, a lot of, more of the guiding now on that end is just like with friends and, and, uh, you know cut, cut good customers that i've had for for a while i don't i don't do a ton of advertising on it anymore or anything but uh but it's just a way to you know stay outside and, and uh be out there doing stuff you know i like i for the hunting stuff like i get way more out of um getting these guys set up if, if one of my customers or friends gets a big buck or gets a wolf um i i enjoy the camaraderie part of it and going and helping get them out of the bush. Like I, that's the part of it that I love the more, more than, you know, more than anything. What was the sell on the, the wolf hunts here? Because that's, that's a pretty unique hunt when I think about it. Um, you know, you, you see lots of, obviously there's like the moose is a very iconic hunt in a lot yeah. of ways for Canada. Um, bear hunts even, um, but the, the wolf is a pretty unique one. What were guys coming up for the, the, the experience when they were chasing wolves? So the wolf thing, yeah, it was. And I, like, I would never, I never put pictures of them on. I put trail cam pictures, but I never put pictures of them on like social media because people will lose it. <laughs> and, and I, I've never really gotten into bear hunting just because I've, I've, I've had it a few times and it wasn't cooked the best. And I just, you know, I don't really want to eat. I love eating venison and moose meat and uh i've just never really like i kind of like bears so um the wolves i've just seen the devastation and i mean going ice fishing in an afternoon like when it when they were things were really peaked here 
um, you could see 10 wolf kills going like five miles from my house. Like it was crazy. So at that point, it's like, we got to, you know, there's nothing else is going to, you know, put a dent into these things and they're just going to starve to death at some point. So, um, yeah, we started doing it and, uh, yeah, it's unique because they're protected for the most part in the U S so it's a unique hunt opportunity for Americans. And, uh, I've had a couple Manitoba hunters come and do it over the years, but, uh, but mostly Americans and yeah, just, just, uh, something that was unique. And I just kind of learned like, it's all baiting them, um, for the most part, freezing, uh, deer and moose scraps into little beaver ponds and, you know, back country uh, into the ice, you got to freeze it or they just drag everything away. And, um, yeah, we've, we've had a little bit of luck, like calling them and stuff. And I've got a few buddies that are really into calling them. I haven't played around with that a ton to be an expert on it or anything, but you can definitely call them in as well. That's gotta be a pretty cold hunt. You were speaking January was the, was yeah. the time frame. Ooh, that, Dude. That. So I've had like, like some weeks you'll get lucky every other year and you'll have a week where it's like minus five, you know, and it's like just tropical. And then, but like I've had weeks where it's minus 30 at night, my cold, you know, minus 35 at night, like the propane, I, I bring little heaters out for their blinds, ground blinds. And like, I've had it where the propane freezes. It's so cold. And then that's no fun. <laughs> so you kind of hope that, but like when it's really cold, like they definitely are running around a little bit more and um, the hunting's probably better, but, uh, but yeah, you kind of want that like just medium cold and that's probably your best, best option. I don't, I want to get into the marketing side for you, but have you considered like baiting them on Lake of the Woods right next to an ice shack? And then maybe you could like do a, <laughs> well, a, a fish wolf combo. <laughs> yeah. You, you, the problem with that, you got to kind of set them up, set up, put your setups like where people aren't going to just come blazing through on their snowmobiles. Cause like the, there's a lot of cottagers out here and people just riding around. So they see your tracks and people follow your tracks. And, and uh, you know, if you're guiding and have a guy from, you know, Tennessee set up on, a ground blind like you don't want a snowmobile coming burning through there mm-hmm. and kind of ruining the especially when you expect them to sit all day so you kind of i i use there is i do have a couple spots that i've used on lake of the woods and done well on but a lot of the wolf stuff's like back country um just where you know hopefully no one's gonna come come flying in there on a snowmobile nice that's awesome what's your what's your favorite uh a way to cook venison uh i just marinate it and uh barbecue nice pretty simple yeah i've got a little you know some worcester and i've actually got it written out but uh some soy sauce and some different spices nothing too fancy but i like i mean i just like it so i yeah marinate it and yeah, yeah. uh yeah I'll live off that stuff right on and you are you chasing them guys around with the bow usually or you say you do like enjoy the guide quite a bit but uh, I, I, if you go out or... yeah like our season here is like two months for residents so we have a long season and i'm i just like we have some good tournaments in september and into october so that when the boast my bow hunting buddies kind of get get going um I'm usually fishing still. And then I get, I get after it. Like usually later on, I'll do the guiding thing. And then the non-resident season ends November 15th. And then usually I'll, I'll hunt after that. Nice. Nice. So, but yeah, I have a hard enough time with a gun. So I, I, that's, uh, 
that I'm happy with that that challenge. <laughs> at <this> point. <laughs> Definitely at that at that point in uh, in the year two, you're probably just looking forward to just sitting there and just hanging out for a bit and sitting still. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's funny because I'll go like I'll have real high standards the first couple sits, and then <laughs> and then you know it's like <laughs> ah, that one I passed up the first time first day like. That was actually a pretty nice one, and then you never see him again after that. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I, I, yeah, I haven't. I've probably only shot. We, 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 we've been lucky. Like we usually get a couple moose, so that's that. That's really good meat. And uh, um, but yeah, the deer, I'm probably like fifty fifty every year if I get one or not. Mm-hmm. Okay then. Well, uh, Jeff, I think I think that's about all on our end. Um, excuse me i guess we do a little round table here at the end um i certainly on my end want to thank you for coming on man it's it's been uh a a learning experience for me kind of hearing your perspective of things and and uh, again a chat with you about uh, the professional fishing side of things it's it's really something um you know growing up for me kind of seen it on tv but i i've never known anyone who is an actual professional fisherman kind of thing so that's kind of cool <laughs> yeah. it's kind of cool um well hey i'm a i'm totally a regular guy so <laughs> you know but i i i yeah i get to i get to if i catch fish i get to keep paying the bills so. yeah yeah and and you're kind of into like a lot of the other stuff that that we're into here too so it definitely ups, yeah. ups your street cred even more with us so <laughs> <laughs> uh, right on that's cool well, thanks for having me guys that's uh that's been fun and I, uh, no, I, I like I listen, I've been getting into listening to a lot of podcasts, you know, over the last few months and, and, um, never really did, you know, up before, you know, this year. Um, but I listen when we were pre-fishing for our tournaments, we were by ourselves. So I listened to a lot of them while I'm in the boat or while I'm on the long drive. So I'll, uh, I'm, I'm going to knock off a bunch of the stuff that you guys have been doing and yeah, we'll, uh, we'll do it again soon. Awesome. Appreciate it, Jeff. Hey, and we want to wish you luck in your next two tournaments here. We're going to be pulling for you and uh, following along here. So tight lines, buddy. Okay. Thanks again, boys. Appreciate it. Thanks, Jeff. And that's episode 89 wrapped up with uh, Jeff. So big thanks to Gussie for coming on with us. Really enjoyed that conversation with him. He's uh, just uh, a stellar dude and really just like a, uh, a small town regular guy when you chat with them so super awesome and i want to thank you guys for tuning in here i know there's there's a hell of a lot of other podcasts that you could be spending your time listening so thank you for tuning in with us if you enjoy it the best thing you can do for us to support us is first off share this episode with somebody else that you might enjoy it that who might enjoy it and uh give us a rating review and a like on whatever platform you're tuning in from Sheldon, what do you got for us? You got a little store update? I got a store update. And while before I do my store update, I'm going to give you, I'm going to put, what do they say? I'm going to plant a seed for Chase to think about here because I want your answer when I'm done. <clears throat> There's a lot of great podcasts out there, especially ones from Canada. Chase, I want to know what your favorite Canadian podcast, outdoors podcast is when I'm done my little store rant. And then I'll tell you what mine is. But mm. um, in the store, we've got quite a few things going. Um, We've got our T-shirts. Now, 
our t-shirts we've got four of them with four different logos there's like two retro we call them retro edition or whatever you want to call them and then two with our regular logos um super lightweight they're inexpensive i think they're like 20 bucks unbelievable for summer and they got some I, we got some cool colors like uh, there's like a blue and a purple or i don't know what it is blue and a heather blue and heather red uh and army green and uh yeah they've been kind of flying off the shelves to be honest so if you want to get one make sure you go to our store www.panoramicoutdoors.com and pick one up and i mean for 60 bucks you can get three t-shirts like who doesn't like cheap t-shirts in my opinion i fucking love them like i go to winners all the time and look for 20 dollars t-shirts some cool ones that's what we tried to do with these so if you do like us support us and you want some cool t-shirts go to our store and do that we also got a new cap a new chapeau that just came onto the market should be in the store i'm hoping next week i'm going to pick them up this weekend and hopefully have them to our um warehouse and into our shipping facility hopefully in a week or so so you can pick those up out of the store and to be honest we i think we we threw a post up on instagram and facebook and blah 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 and i think we only have about 15 20 left so if you want one dm us right away because you will put your name on one and if you haven't seen them maybe we'll do a post about one um but yeah that's what's happening in the store our coffee cups are sold out thanks to everyone that bought coffee cups that they're unbelievable and the thing was is when i was on my trip chase this is another funny thing i was going to tell you is all the there's a couple guys there that were at the same camp and uh i brought two of the cups and I actually left two of my cups there just to leave them or whatever and Everyone that was there basically said, man, that just like brings back memories of my parents camping and they had these, you know, like these tin coffee cups. It's something you don't see. And that's what like, I don't know if that's what you're kind of going with, with your, uh, with your idea, Chase, Chase, this is Chase's ideas, bring these cups out. I don't know if that was your idea, Chase, but man, I was just like, after they said that, I was just thinking about it. I'm like, I totally remember my parents, like these cups, like jingling around and, you know, getting coffee made in the morning, and you've referenced it a lot of times about smelling that that coffee brewing in the morning when you're a young kid. Just like it, so many memories came back. But yeah, check out our store. We've got some cool stuff in there. And ladies, hoop neck is it called hoop neck? Scoop neck. <laughs> Scoop neck, hoop, hoop neck, whatever. Um, hoodies, unbelievable, super comfy, and we've sold quite a few. And everyone that we've talked to, they love them. So if you want a nice little hoodie for your for your woman, or if you're a woman yourself and want to put one on check them out yeah yeah no they are amazing we, we got some great stuff in the store like like sheldon said um to answer your question about the podcast I, i'm gonna go ahead and uh just elaborate a little bit more on it i'm, I'm gonna go my top three and this is not in any order at all but maybe i'm gonna do top four here because uh focus hunting does a good one they're out east i believe an urban outdoorsman does a good one and they're from the gta i think from Ontario there and rookie hunter from the uh, West coast there. And I got to give a little shout out to uh, the boys from the casting deck. They, they seem to be doing an awesome job on the the fishing front in Manitoba here. And, and uh, they've been putting out a super good product too. Yeah. The casting deck, do they have, I don't listen to them, but I have seen them on Facebook live, I think before, maybe on YouTube, but do they have a platform where you can download or is it do do lots of their stuff live or do you know, Chase? Good question. I just usually see it on Facebook, uh, on their, on their live. They do a really good job. Do a really good job. They have some, they're a little bit shorter, I believe. And, uh, but they go over some of the topics and, and some, some cool stuff that's happening in Manitoba and good on them for promoting, 
um, the angling we have in Manitoba because it, we have amazing angling. If you're going to ask me what my uh, podcasts were, th- th- there's I would basically echo exactly what you said, but another one I would add on there is the Weekend Warrior. That's a newer one. Uh, they're based out of Saskatchewan. They're doing a wicked job, man. They're producing some really good content. It's a fishing podcast, and um, yeah, give them a huge shout-out. I mean, the big thing about the outdoors world and anybody that's in the outdoors world, you know that we need to support each other, so um getting listening to other podcasts is something i do all the time and it's it's great to hear other people's perspectives and ideas awesome hey one last thing before we let everyone go and chase before you uh bark some orders more at me happy canada day to everyone and i think this is coming out tomorrow hey chase yes sir happy canada day to everyone and um yeah go go canadians go there you go well, thanks again for listening, folks. And uh, like I said, hit those platforms. Let us know what you're thinking. And if you want to get in contact us with us, don't be afraid to drop us a line through our social platforms or email. With that being said, keep those knives sharp, keep those lines tight, and uh, keep your plug in the boat. Ooh, good one. <laughs>